It's an evening of old-time radio. The Avenger. The road to crime ends in a trap that justice sets. Crime does not pay. enemy of evil is actually Jim Brandon, a famous biochemist. Through his numerous scientific experiments, Brandon has perfected two inventions to aid him in his crusade against crime as the Avenger. The telepathic indicator by which he is able to pick up thought flashes, and the secret diffusion capsule, which cloaks him in the black light of invisibility. Brandon's assistant, the beautiful Fern Collier, is the only one who shares his secrets and knows that he is the man the underworld fears as the Avenger. And now... The Avenger and the High Tide Murders. Oh, uh, it's you, Thandro. Yes, Corny, it's me. Are we expecting the cops? No, no. Come on in. Mighty glad you came, Tedro. Did you follow my instructions? Sure, nobody knows I'm here. You don't think I'm fool enough to let anybody know I'm mixed up with you, do you? Now, now, Tedro, there's no cause for you. Shut up, Scrawny. A gun. What are you pulling a gun on me for, Tedro? Because I don't trust you, Scrawny. Not even when I can see you. Well, I've always been fair to you, Tedro. I always... Shut up, I told you. I'll do the talking this time. You're a double-crosser, Scrawny. The worst kind. You got a guy in deep with you, and then you double-cross him, cheat him. I haven't cheated you, Fenro. Honest, I I'm not haven't. giving you the chance to double-cross me, Scrawny. I come for my share of that last shipment you got. And I'm not leaving without it. Sure, Fenro. In fact, I want more than my share, since you're holding out on the other boy. Sure, sure, Fenro. That's why I sent for you. To give you your share. 
We'll be partners, Penrose, you and me. Never mind that. Where's the stuff? Right over there in that box. I'll get it. Stay where you are. I'll get it myself. If you make a move, Scrawny, I'll plug you. All right, all right. Help yourself, then. Scrawny, help, Scrawny! <laughs> Goodbye, Senro. The tide is going out, and you go with it. Just like the others, out with the tide. You were smarter than the rest of them, Senro. Only you didn't know about this trap door, did you? Nobody but Scrawny knows about that. Ah, just one more victim, and all the money will be mine. One more victim. I must prepare the trap for him. <laughs> Take time out now for dinner. I've been waiting for you to say that. I know you have. The telepathic indicator caught your thought flashes. I didn't realize how late it was. That indicator is working so well lately, I've, I've absolutely no privacy. Yes, we're getting wonderful results, Fern. Of course, a lot of the flashes I pick up are unimportant. But do you realize that our experiments in thought projection and transmission have gone far beyond those of Edison and Creel? Oh, I know, Jim. Jim. Yes, Fern. Jim... Let me try the diffusion capsule. I've been reading up on all those experiments you made with black light, and I... Fern, you must put that idea out of your mind. I told you before that it would be impossible. It's a very dangerous process. Oh, I know it's terribly dangerous, Jim, but I'm not afraid. No. And that's final, young lady. Why, the diffusion capsule knocked me for a loop every time I tried it for three years, until finally I was able to hit just exactly the right formula. Oh, but, Jim, now that you have the right formula... Fern, you don't understand. That formula will only work on the individual who tested it every step of the way on himself. But, Jim, think how much more valuable I'd be as your assistant if I could become invisible as you do. Perhaps, but it isn't possible, Fern. Why? Let me explain. The diffusion capsule is a combination of two experiments, two processes. First, it's a question of harnessing the light rays that are normally invisible to the human eye and concentrating them in tiny capsules to be released at will. After I'd spent years perfecting that formula, I had to set about finding a serum that I could inject into my system that would affect the pigment cells in such a way that when these concentrated rays were released around me, they'd dissolve both color and dimension and render me invisible. Then it's the injections that are so dangerous. Yes. For one whole year, I was able to stand them only in very small doses. And then gradually, after several years, my system absorbed enough of the serum to camouflage me completely when the concentrated light rays fell upon me. But if I hadn't been in exceptional physical condition, Fern, the whole experiment would have been hopeless. Well, perhaps you're right, Jim. And but besides, I... you're much too attractive to want to become invisible, even for short intervals. <laughs> oh, Fern, now you do understand, don't you? Of course, Jim. Let's forget it. I couldn't manage without you, you know that. Why, you've come every step of the way with me on the telepathic indicator. I simply couldn't have perfected it without you. Thanks, Jim. Now, if you'll put those test tubes away, I'll turn off the indicator and we'll go out for something to eat. Right. Fern. 
What is it, Jim? A man's just been killed. Jim, the indicator? Yes. I caught a distinct telepathic message. Well, how can you be sure someone was killed? Because the message came in so strong. It's been proved through thousands of experiments that 85% of all psychic impressions received are relayed by those who are suffering violence. What was the message, Jim? It's strange. I've had three messages like this in the last two weeks, all on the same thought wavelength. Only this last one was stronger than the other two. The sounds were all the same, though. What kind of sounds, Jim? Lapping water and wind, mostly. And then the sudden sound of a heavy door opening and a splash. You mean like someone falling in the water? Yes. Only this time I also received the impression of a man's voice. A man's voice screaming out a name. What name, Jim? Something that sounded like, uh, like scrawny. Scrawny? What do you suppose that could mean? I don't know yet. Oh, will you answer the phone, Fern? Yeah. I don't want to leave the indicator. Maybe I'll pick up something else. Hello? Yes, he's here, Inspector White. Yes? Where? At the Cragmore Dock. Yes, I'm sure he will. I'll tell him. Thank you, Inspector. That was Inspector White, Jim. What did he want? The body of a man's been washed ashore at Cragmore. What? He wants you to come down and make some special tests. The Inspector thinks it's murder. Yes, Inspector. Coming, Fern? No, I'll wait here at the car, Jim. All right. Well, Inspector, find any clues? Very few. The doc says the body's been in the water about two weeks. I want you to check on that. No identification. Not a thing. Oh, flash that light over here, Joe. Well, what do you think, Jim? At first glance, I'd say two weeks is about right. We can't tell much from his clothes. There was no jewelry, which might mean the motive was robbery. Yeah, it might. Find anything at all in his pockets? No. Only a little piece of broken glass. You mind letting me see it? Here. Why, this is a piece of a jeweler's loot. A very good one, too. This man must be a stranger around here. He doesn't fit any of our descriptions for missing persons. Inspector, uh, do you think you could keep this out of the papers for a few days? No, I can't keep it out of the papers, Brandon. And I don't see why I should try. Well, you're in the driver's seat, of course, Inspector. But if I had a day or two, well, I think... Well, Brandon... All I want from you in this case is a complete chemical analysis report. The same kind of checkup you did in the Reardon case. Okay. I'll come to headquarters later. But you shouldn't let my simple inquiries affect your blood pressure like that, Inspector. Well, every time you see a body, you pop up with a lot of unconventional theory. Well, murder is hardly ever conventional, Inspector. No monkey business on this case, Brandon. That chemical report is all I want from you. You'll get it. In the meantime, I'll have an impression made of these teeth. And go over every inch of his clothes. Right. I think we'll have to work fast on this, Inspector. We? All right. All right. You. I'll see you later. So long. Remember what I said, Jim. What's the matter, Jim? The Inspector sounds mad. Oh, just the usual routine. He's afraid I'll steal his thunder. Well, were you able to find out anything? I think so, Fern. I'd be willing to bet anything it was that man's dying message I picked up about two weeks ago. Do the police have any idea who he was? Not yet. But I'm pretty certain he was a jeweler. If he was, then the other two thought impressions I received may have been from jewelers, too. If your hunch is right, Jim, three jewelers would be missing in the city right now. Right. Let's get back into town and start investigating. Tonight? Oh. Well, I guess it is pretty late, isn't it? But I'm still hungry. Remember, we never did get our dinner. Okay. But first thing in the morning, Fern, we're going calling. The pawn shops first. (laughs) 
the waiting room, Jim? About ten minutes. Uh, sit down, Vern. Thanks. Oh, golly, I didn't know there were so many jewelry stores in the whole world. I'm tuckered out. And hungry, no doubt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I ordered for you. Oh, waiter. Oh, waiter, you can bring our food now. Right away, sir. Well, how did you make out with your list, Vern? Well, out of all the shops I covered, there was only one owner missing. Been out of town for a week. Did you get his name? Yes, it's... Um, Don't tell me. Uh, see if I can guess. Was it Artemis? Yes. How did you know? I'll tell you later. Uh, I want to give you my report first. Oh, I'm trying to be patient, but my curiosity is killing me. Well, uh, first I found out that a pawnbroker by the name of Blake has been out of town for two weeks. Jim, do you think he could be the one whose body was, was washed ashore last night? I think there's a very good chance that was Blake. I called Inspector White, and he's going to check him. But what about the third? You said there'd be three. That's in the raw. A third jeweler by the name of Stenro left town on business yesterday morning. Jim, how can we be certain these are the three men we're looking for? Well, after I checked all the stores on my list, I happened to remember an article that appeared in the newspapers about six months ago concerning a corner in the diamond market. At that time, an investigation had been demanded by the Municipal Jewelers Association, who were outraged at the possibility of any shady dealings within their trade. I went to the library and checked back on that article. And found the names of Arthur? No, I got those through a muckraking reporter I know. He tipped me off that Fenro, Blake, Artemis, and a man by the name of Vickers were thoroughly investigated at that time because they were suspected of selling odd pieces of jewelry at unusually low prices. How were they able to do that? Well, my guess is that the jewels were smuggled and they were fencing them. Oh, but wouldn't the police know that? That would be pretty hard to check, Fern, especially if the goods came from Europe. All right, Jim, suppose all your suspicions turn out to be facts. There's still one other thing. If three jewelers are missing, why haven't their families reported it to the police? Because they're not considered missing. To all intents and purposes, they're just away on business. Oh, I see. Well, what do we do now? We start searching for the missing piece in the puzzle. The missing piece? Yes, the fourth jeweler by the name of Vickers. We've got to find out whether he's also known as Scrawny. Or if he isn't, he's next on the list for murder. Vickers? I was in there this morning. I know. 
That's why I think it'd be better for me to go in alone this time. Uh, wait for me just beyond the shop there, Fern. All right, but don't be long. I'm nervous. What can I do for you, sir? Uh, do you mind if I look around a little? Yes, I do mind. What do you want? I'm looking for the Berkeley necklace. What? I thought you might have it. I tried all your partners' places, but they didn't seem... What to... are you talking about? I have no partners. No? I understood Artemis, Blake, and Penrose. Get out of here. That's no way to treat a customer, Mr. Vickers. Get out, I say, or I'll call the police. I don't think you will. Get out! Put that gun away, Vickers. You're in enough trouble already. I'll give you exactly five seconds to blow. All right. You win. Jim. I think he's gone mad, Fern. He pulled a gun on me. But we've got to get some evidence. Well, how? You go into the store and pretend you want to buy something. Yeah. Keep him occupied for a few minutes. Oh, I'll do my best. What are you trying to do, Jim? Examine his safe. It must be in the back room. It's not in the store. Jim. Yes, Fern. It's time for the Avenger to take over. I thought I told you to get out. Where, where did he go? Where did you go? That man with you. There's no one with me. I was sure I saw him come in the door and then... And he disappeared. Well, there's no one here. Maybe the sunlight blinded you for a moment as I opened the door. I don't know. I was sure. I must be seeing things. I came in to look at that gold pin you have in the window. The one with the topaz in the center. Would you show it to me, please? Yes, I'll get it. The one on the right. That's it. My, it's lovely. How much is it? Forty dollars. Forty? Oh, I'm afraid that's too expensive. Well, I have a smaller one. It's in the back room. I'll oh, get no. it. Oh, no. No, never mind. This is the exact size I'm looking for. Perhaps I can... All right, Fern. I've finished. Come on. What did you say? Oh, the pin. Well, I hadn't planned on anything so expensive. Busy, Vickers? You? What are you doing here? Stow that, Vickers. I've got business with you. Get rid of that customer. Sorry I can't take the pin. Thanks for your trouble. Did you find anything, Jim? Plenty. Who was that man who came out of the back room? What man? There was no one back there. Well, the man came through the back way shortly after you did. Vickers was terrified of him. Fern, we've got to go back there. Vickers may be in danger of his life. Come on. Oh, the door's locked. Stand back, Fern. Yeah. I'll have to break it down. No. Vickers! Vickers, quick! Who did it? Who stabbed you, Vickers? Scrawny! What part of the beach does this road lead to, Jim? A place called Peabody's Cove. Never heard of it. Who's Peabody? Captain Peabody is an old sailor. His family has owned this stretch of beach for generations. The captain makes his living renting fishing dories. But why are we going to see him? Well, Captain Peabody knows everyone along the coast for miles. Mm-hmm. I want to try to get a line on that man you saw in Vickers Pawn Shop. Oh? You said he gave you the impression of being a seafaring man? Well, it was only a vague impression, Jim. Yeah. His face was weather beaten and he used the term stow that. Not much to go on, really. Yeah, and there was one other thing. Vickers was killed with a knife. A fisherman's knife. Huh. There, there's Peabody's place now. Oh, look at all those boats. Aren't they beautiful? All right. Come on, Fern. Oh, there's Peabody on the dock. Hello there, Captain. Uh, hello. Well, 
Jim Brandon. How be you, Jim? I'm fine, Captain. This is my assistant, Fern Collier. Hello, Captain. Pleased to meet you, miss. Well, Captain, what's your theory about those two bodies that were washed up on the coast? Say, that's something, ain't it? Two of them within a week. I noticed by the papers that you were helping on the case. That's right. Uh, Captain, does the name Scrawny mean anything to you? Scrawny? Yeah. No, I've never heard that name. Has it got something to do with the case? Maybe. But all we're certain of in this case is how long the bodies were in the water. What you want to know is where they come from, huh? That's what I'm working on, Captain. Well, son, you ought to be able to figure that out pretty accurate. According to the tides. How do you mean? You take a look at this here map, Jim. Huh? You know what it is? Oh, it's a tide chart, isn't it? Right. You notice how the currents hereabouts surge into narrow channels? Yeah. Well, those channels along this stretch of coast are as accurate and permanent as a, a paved road on, on dry land. You mean that if you know exactly where something landed on the shore and how long it was in the water, mm -hmm. you can figure where it started from according to the channels? Yep. Right, when I was a little shaver, me and my brother used to send messages and bottles through these channels to kids ten miles down the coast. Captain, you've hit on something. I'd like to try a little experiment, if, if you'll help me. Why, sure, Jim. Well, rig up your best dory and bring along those tide charts. You and I are going on a little boat ride. Right away, Jim. I'll have everything set in five minutes. Do I come too, Jim? No, you'd better stay here, Fern. How long do you think you'll be gone? An hour or two. Well, I'll take a little drive up the coast to kill time. Okay, but be careful. Good luck, Jim. You ready, Jim? Yeah, I'm coming, Captain. I'll see you later, Fern. Right. Don't drive too far. I won't. Bye. <laughs> That's a gun in your back, lady. Who are you? Start driving north. No, I won't. I... Start driving, I said. Or I'll let you have it. What, you... You're the man I saw in Vicky's shop. You murdered Vicky. You Vickers. know too much for your own good. Drive faster. You're scrawny. That's right. But you're the only living person who knows it. And you ain't going to be living long. Drive faster, I said. Faster. <laughs> longer to wait now. If you're going to kill me, why don't you do it and get it over with? Why do you keep me tied up here? We have to wait for the tide. The tide? What has that to do with it? Everything. Out with the tide. That's the way it must be. You mean I'm going to be drowned? Of course. I thought you knew that. You seem to know so much. I'm not the only one who knows that. The sounds. Someone else knows about them. The lapping of the water, that creaking door, the spring of a trap door, that... No one could know of them but you. Everyone else who ever came here is dead. You... Police will find you out there? That's enough of that. I know you're bluffing. How much longer? Half an hour yet. Exactly half an hour. <laughs> doing? It's almost time. I'm checking everything so you won't be in, in any trouble. He won't get away with it. He won't... Who's to stop me? Look. As you drop through this trap door, this bag of salt will hook onto you and weigh you down. Then the tide carries your body out to sea. 
And later when you're found, you'll be many miles from here. Oh, you're mad. I believe you killed for the sheer joy. No, no. I, I killed for gold. For gold and jewels. <laughs> but now I, I must untie. In another minute, the tide goes out ready. You must be ready now. Hold your wrists still. Oh, Jim, I'm afraid. There, now. Stand up. What was that noise? Who's there? Here I am, Scrawny. It's the Avenger. Oh, thank heaven. The Avenger? Where? Where are you? I can't see you, Avenger. No, you can't see me, Scrawny. No one can see me, but I'm here. Where? Where are you? Over here, behind these salt bags. I'll get you. I'll shoot you. Not there. Over here in the corner. Uh, I'll find you. I'll kill you. Oh, how awful. Are you all right, Fern? Yeah. Wait for me in the car outside, Fern. Oh. I'll just have a look around here. Please, we'll want some evidence. Well, this place is certainly reeking with it. Don't be long, Jim. here. Under this long pier, old Scrawny had built along the coast. He had nets stretched along the entire length of the channel under the pier. And when the tide came in, they caught the cargo. Then old Scrawny, all he had to do was haul in the nets and distribute the cargo among his fences. Just as simple as that. Oh, but then why should Scrawny want to kill the men who fenced the jewels for him? He didn't, as long as the smuggled cargo was jewels. But the last two shipments were currency. Enormous sums of it in sealed waterproof bags. So he didn't need the fences. Yeah, that's right, Fern. But evidently the fences demanded their share of the shipments, so Scrawny decided to get rid of them. He sent for each one separately on the pretext of sharing the loot with him. Vickers was the only one who wouldn't go, so Scrawny had to come to him. Each of the others, well, you saw the little trap he set for them. Yes, I saw it, but I was too frightened to understand how it worked. Well, those salt bags were rigged up to hook onto the victim automatically as he fell through the trap door. This was always done just as the tide was going out, so the victim was immediately carried out to sea. But where did the salt go? After a time, it dissolved in the water and the bags fell apart because they were made of semi-perishable cloth. Jim, it's horrible. And to think that I... Now, you mustn't think about it anymore, Fern. The case is closed. But you can thank Captain Peabody for showing me the beginning of that narrow channel that led me to old Scrawny's place in time to save you. 
I'm going to buy Captain Peabody a nice present. Oh, he'd like that. He said you were right, Purdy. Oh, you. You know, the minute I got to Scrawny's place, I knew the trail was ended. How, Jim? I recognized the sounds. They were exactly like the impressions I received on the telepathic indicator. Well, I'm glad it's over. And so am I, Fern. Well, what about some dinner? Oh, fine. Only let's not have seafood. <laughs> All characters, names, places, and plots used in the Avenger program are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. This is a thought. A thought. A thought. Remember, listen for another adventure of... The Avenger. Avenger. The road to crime ends in a trap that justice sets. Crime does not pay. sworn enemy of evil is actually Jim Brandon, a famous biochemist. Through his numerous scientific experiments, Brandon has perfected two inventions to aid him in his crusade against crime as the Avenger. The telepathic indicator by which he is able to pick up thought flashes and the secret diffusion capsule, which cloaks him in the black light of invisibility. Brandon's assistant, the beautiful Fern Collier, is the only one who shares his secrets and knows that he is the man the underworld fears as the Avenger. And now... The Avenger and the Mystery of the Giant Brain. Who is it? Who's there? It's Miss St. Clair. I want to speak to you, Professor Rodano. Oh, all right, all right. Come in. Why, Miss St. Clair... Where are you going with all that luggage? 
I'm leaving, Professor. Leaving? Yes. And you needn't pretend to be surprised. You know why I'm going. Oh, yes, you were upset about those animals from the zoo, I believe. Yes, that among other things. Miss St. Clair, it was absolutely necessary for me to have those animals. Our experiments have gone far beyond the stage of rabbits and mice. I must have animals of a little more cunning. Of course, I'm... I'm sorry to have to steal them from the zoo and neighboring farms, but that's the only way... Well, I want no part of it. When I came here a year ago as your assistant, uh, I thought you were a reputable scientist. I am a great scientist, Miss St. Clair. Too great to allow the petty ethics of... Perhaps you are a great professor, but you've become cruel and inhuman. And the kind of man that has no place in, in the laboratory. These experiments and brain surgery you're making now are horrible. You think so? Then perhaps you have decided to report me to the police. No. I just want to get out of here and have nothing further to do with you. You're a coward, Miss St. Clair. You're afraid of what the great Rodano can accomplish. Why Rodano's work is just beginning. Look. These three mechanical men. These robots I have created. They're only in their infancy. Yes, I know they are. Look at them lined up there. Three iron monsters, that's what they are. You hate them because you fear them. In time, my robots will accomplish all that man is too cowardly to attempt. Professor, please don't go on with this. Destroy them now before it's too late. Why, Miss St. Clair? How can you talk like that? You helped perfect them. I didn't understand what you were doing. You will excuse me if I find that hard to believe. It's true. Until a few weeks ago, these robots were merely harmless servants of your will. Created, you assured me, merely to fetch and carry for you. Now you send them out to capture animals for you, in the hope that in time you'll be able to create for them a brain. Exactly. I... And that time is almost at hand. Just think, Miss Sinclair. Very soon I will no longer have to control those robots as I do now by the magnetoelectric the batteries I have installed about the house. Ah, they will have a mind and intelligence all their own. You're playing with madness and death, Professor. Two marvelous experiments. Madness and death. I see that there's no point in trying to reason with you. But there is one other thing I'd like to do before I go. Yes? I'd like to know what has happened to Dr. Giles. I told you two weeks ago I sent him away on business. I don't believe you. I think he left you just as I'm doing because he wanted nothing further to do with you and your robot. Would you really like to know where Dr. Giles is now? Would you like to see him, Miss St. Clair? What do you mean? Dr. Giles is in my secret basement laboratory. I had to lock him up in a little iron cage down there. Come, I'll show you. No. No, you are mad. I'm going to the police. Robot one. Robot one. Stop it, Miss St. Clair. No. No, let me go. Let me please. The major, let me Carry her to the basement laboratory, no. robot one. No. You've always been curious about that secret laboratory, Miss St. Clair. Now I let you see it. No, no, no! Let me go, please! I'm ready to dictate now. Let me see. This is experiment 2274, isn't it, Chief? That's right. Go ahead, Chief. Subject. A power increase on the telepathic indicator. Data. 
increase of two amperes on direct current caused the headgear to blow. However, when current was changed to alternating, reception was not only maintained, but increased. Oh, Jim, you increased it. How wonderful. I don't know exactly how much yet, but I think it's a matter of a few miles, Fern. We'll send out a crew tomorrow, station them a quarter of a mile apart, and experiment with their thought transmissions. Good. I'll make all the arrangements. Now for the data on the strongest thought impressions I picked up on the indicator today. Now take this down, Fern. Yeah. Thought waves received from a greater distance than before seem to have their origin in violence, but not death. Constant static interference might indicate that the thoughts were surrounded by electricity at their origin. That's something new, isn't it, Jim? Completely new, Fern. Add these facts, will you? Mm -hmm. The color impression was gray. Gray with a background of blue. Perhaps something gray in color, high enough to be seen against the background of the sky. Either a tower or a plane. But since there was no indication of movement, I'm inclined to favor the tower. Sounds as though we've picked up the latent thought waves of a mediaeval maiden in distress. Oh, there you go, letting your romantic notions run away with you again. Well, nothing seems to be impossible with that indicator. But if you'll review the facts, young lady, you'll realize that your medieval maiden could scarcely have been surrounded by electrical instruments of extremely high voltage. No, I suppose not. Unless the tower was struck by lightning. <laughs> I give up. You win. But to get back to the facts... Oh, make a note of this, please. I also picked up an impression on the same thought wavelength of inarticulate suffering, something that could have emanated from small children or animals. This impression was not as clear as the others. That's a strange kind of impression. Yes, and all the more interesting in view of a story that appeared in this morning's paper. Here, paste this clipping and decide those notes. What is it, Jim? It's a story about some animals that were stolen recently from a zoo at Midvale. Also, a raid on a fox farm near there. What do you make of it, Jim? Nothing yet. Fern, uh, do we have a legend map that includes Midvale? Well, we have one for this entire county. Will that do? Fine. Yeah, where is it? Oh, on the bottom shelf behind you. All right. Now, let me see. Uh, Midwest crop list. Uh, oh, Midland County map. Yeah, this is it. Midvale's exactly 16 miles due east from here. Yes, that's within the radius of the indicator. Oh, look, Jim. This footnote says that Midvale boasts of several mansions of great architectural beauty that date back to the early 1800s. It also boasts of several well-known silver fox farms, all of which ties in pretty well with the things we already know. Oh, yeah. Fern, how long will it take you to pack? Fifteen minutes. All right, let's get moving. You and I are going on a little trip to Midvale. <laughs> How much farther do you think it is to Mr. Isaac's farm? Oh, we should be coming to it soon, Fern. Aren't you enjoying the walk? Yes, only it's farther than I expected. We must have walked at least two miles since we left Midvale. Well, it can't be far now. Jim, why are you so anxious to talk with Mr. Isaac? Because Joe Isaac has reported four foxes stolen from his farm within two weeks. Oh. And I think he may be able to give us a few leads. Off the record, of course. Mm-hmm. Oh, that must be Isaac's barn just ahead there. Somebody's shooting us, Jim. Fern, Run! Fern, wait. Wait, nobody's shooting at us. Those shots came from behind that barn. Come on. Oh, quiet, Jim. I can't keep up. Look, there's a man running across the field. I'll stop him. Hey, hey, you. Wait a minute. Stop. Stop, I say. Oh, no. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Stop running or I'll bring you down. 
Now, take it easy. I didn't say you killed anybody, but I couldn't let you run away. Sorry I had to knock you down. I I was in the barn. I saw it all. But I didn't kill him. Kill who? Joe Iser. Oh, you got him, Jim. Thank heaven. The big man did it. The big man. Come on, show us where Iser is. Come this way. Here, back at the barn. Now, suppose you tell me exactly what you saw. Well, Joe caught the big man stealing two foxes. Joe shot him at him four times. But the bullets can't hurt the big man. What in the world is he talking about, Jim? Hang the final, Fern. There he is. There's Joe Iser. See? He's dead. I'll have a look. Well, Jim? Yeah, he's dead, all right. And four bullets have been fired from this gun he's holding. We've got to call the police. No, no, don't call the police. They'll say I did it. They'll... Oh, I'm going home. No, no, you're not. You've got a lot of questions to answer. What's your name? Uh, Harry Sampler. Just what were you doing here, anyway? And who's this big man you're talking about? Well, I live around the hill there in the shack. I come over here every day to help Joe with the chores, and he gives me food. Yeah? Joe is good to me. I wouldn't kill him. So, today, while you were helping either, this big man appeared and stole two foxes? Yeah, that's right. Joe started to shoot at him. But the big man walked right through the bullets and hit Joe over the head with his big iron hand. He killed Joe. The big man did. Oh, this is getting us nowhere fast, Fern. I'm going to call the police. Oh, I think we'd better. Come on, and show me where Isaac's telephone is, Harry. Well, uh, uh, Joe ain't got no phone. What are we going to do, Jim? Well, I've got to stay here and guard the place until the police get here. But how can we get word to them? Yeah, that's the question. I can't trust Harry to go. It's getting too late for you to go alone. Well, if I hurry, Jim, maybe I can make it into town before dark. No, no, Fern. There's a killer loose around here somewhere. I think there's a phone over to the Gray Towers, but I wouldn't go in there. Huh? Where's Gray Towers? uh, Right around the bend and up the road a piece. I'll go, Jim. I'm not afraid to go that far. All right. But before you go, take a look at these footprints, Fern. Oh, good heavens. They're monsters. Yeah, and there are at least five feet between the strides. Jim, do you think there could possibly be anything to this poor fellow's story? Well, it's fantastic, of course. But Isa was killed by a blow on the head, all right. He was struck by some kind of blunt instrument. Jim, I don't think we should trust this fellow. Harry, maybe he's not as harmless as he seems. After all, he could have... Don't worry, Fern. I'm not trusting him. I'll keep Harry right here with me until you get back. Now, you run along, but don't lose any time. I'll expect you back here in less than half an hour. Okay, Jim. So long. So long, Fred. Yeah, I'm sure they got a phone up to Gray Towers. But I wouldn't go in there. I'd be afraid. Seems to me you're afraid of just about everything, Harry. You'd be afraid of the big iron men, too, if you saw them. Well, all I've got to say is that somebody had better see them, Harry. Or your goose is cooked. Even so, I'd prefer to have a better alibi for murder than an iron monster. Thank you.
back to the Avenger and the mystery of the giant brain. Robot 2, open the door. Excuse me, may I... Oh, don't be frightened, my dear. This is just a mechanical man who acts as my servant. He's perfectly under control. Come in. Oh, no. No, thank you. Never mind. Seize her, Robot 2. No! Let me go! Well done, Robot 2. Now close the door. Tell this monster to put me down, please. I just came to use the phone. You were sent to call the police, were you not? Oh, you don't understand. A man's been murdered. Or perhaps you already knew that. A very unfortunate incident, but that sort of thing is inevitable sometimes. People are stupid. They don't understand the needs of science. Please let me go. I'm expected back in town. No, you are needed here. I'm needed here? What for? I need your brain for my great experiment. You arrived just in time. My brain? Yes. Now I'll have three. Three human brains. Bring her to the secret laboratory, Robot 2. No. Put me down. Let me go. No use to struggle. The robot has his orders, and he will obey them. Oh, you are a murderer. You killed either. He was just a little man who got in my robot's way. But yours is to be a greater honor than mere death. You will sacrifice your living brain to the great god science. A mere mortal could ask no greater privilege. No! Let me go! Let me go! Let me go! Stand guard, Robot 3. I'll open the cage, Robot 2. You put the beautiful lady inside. Miss St. Clair, Dr. Giles, I've brought you company. Why have you brought this strange girl here, Rodano? To share the fate I have in store for you and Miss St. Clair, my uh, worthy doctor. What are you talking about, Professor? Just what do you intend to do with us? Be patient a little longer, Miss St. Clair. Come out and close the door, Robot 2. Now listen, all of you. Tonight, the mighty Rodano will perform the greatest operation in the history of surgery. I will add three human brains to the living animal brains I already have preserved. Wait, I'll show you. Remove the heavy cover from that table, Robot 2. Be careful not to break the glass case. Well, what do you think of it? What is that horrible thing? It's moving. Of course it's moving. It's alive. It's the composite living brain of 14 animals. It's the most horrible thing I've ever seen. Even my worst suspicions didn't prepare me for anything like like this. Hold on, Miss St. Clair. We mustn't give up yet. Be silent and listen to me. Tonight I add three human brains to this. And then I'll place them all within a special robot I've constructed. Then the world will see a real man of iron. A man of unlimited power and superlative wisdom. The great Rodano will be worshipped as the creator of a new race. Oh, stop him. Stop him. I can't stand anymore. Professor. Yes, what is it, Dr. Giles? Perhaps we, Miss St. Clair and I, deserve whatever fate you have in store for us. Whether we meant to or not, we did help you create the robots. But this strange girl you've brought here... She had nothing to do with it. Let her go free. Yes, Professor. There's no need to make the innocent suffer, too. Ah, you two are coming. Yes, you know that if I set you free, the police will be here in five minutes. 
No, I tell you, I need you all. Science needs you. How much longer have we, then? One hour. One hour yet to live. Robot One will bring you a fine dinner of roast duckling. We must observe the rules of death. The condemned should eat both well and heartily. Well, Harry, it was a lucky thing for us that truck happened by so we could get word to the police. The police come mighty fast, didn't they? Yes, and they want to question both of us later, Harry. I promised them we'd both come to police headquarters as soon as I find out what's happened to Fern. They don't think I did it, do they? No. And if you promise me you'll tell them exactly what you saw, I'll give you a reward of ten dollars. Ten dollars? Gee, I never saw that much money. Oh, say, Harry, is that Great Towers? Yeah, yeah, that's the place. That's where the professor and the big men live. Have you ever been inside the house, Harry? No, nobody's allowed inside. All the doors and windows has big bolts. How do you know if you were never inside? Well, sometimes I climb up in that tree over there by the garden and look in the window. And what did you see from there, Harry? Well, that's how I first saw the big men. But nobody believed me. They said I made it up. Well, I guess there's nothing for it then but to try to get in by the front door. Come on, Harry. Oh, no, sir, not, not me. I, I, I wouldn't go in there. The big men kill people. All right, you climb up in the tree then and wait for me. Hey, sure, I'll wait. You said I'm going to get $10. That's right. I'll see you later. Uh, yes, sir. Nobody will see me up in that tree. It's too dark up there. Well, Professor, you're going to have a visitor. When that door opens, the Avenger will step inside and you'll be none the wiser because my diffusion capsule will render me invisible. The moment the door is opened, I'll break the capsule and enter. What's that noise? Who's out there? Who's out there, I said? I'm sure I heard a peculiar noise just as the door opened. Who's there? Well, I must have gone away, whoever it was. Robot one, close the door and bolt it. Now follow me, Robot One. Follow me closely, for in just a few minutes, we begin our great experiment. Dr. Giles, the hour is almost up. Yes, just a few minutes more. Think of that, that maniac sending down all this food. As though any of us could touch it. Do you suppose that if we make all the noise we can, somebody might hear us? There's not a chance of that, Miss Collier. This basement is soundproof. Well, we certainly haven't anything to lose. We might as well try it. Here, each one take a tin cup, hit them against the bars as hard as you can. And everybody shout at the same time. We'll say, help, we're in the basement. Ready? Go. Help! We're in the basement! Help! We're in the basement! Help! Listen... The robots. It's too late for any help now. Go ahead. Scream your heads off. No one can hear you. Stand guard, robots. I'm going to bring Dr. Giles out of the cage now. You kill him if he tries to get away. Come, Dr. Giles. Yeah, 
place him on the steel table, Robot 2. I'll fasten his hands and feet. Oh, I can't look. He won't feel anything. None of us will. The electricity will stun him instantly. It's the only way the brain can be removed and still remain alive. Oh, don't. Stand aside, Robots. There in a the line. That's right. Now you won't be in my way. Every split second counts in this operation. Now we're ready. I'll pull the switch and... No, you don't, Professor. Who spoke? Who's there? It's the Avenger, Professor. Oh, the Avenger. Oh, Miss St. Clair, we're saying... Why, I don't understand. Where is he? Where are you, Avenger? How did you get in here? You can't see me, but I'm here, Professor. Here to see that you're brought to justice. Find him, robots. Find the Avenger and kill him. Kill the Avenger. Find him, robots. desk here somewhere. Here they are. Well, I never thought I'd get out of here alive. Neither did I. Is, uh, is the professor dead? Yes, the professor is dead. No one could save him from his own creation. The professor's giant brain was just a boomerang. Giles. Yes, Avenger? Call the police at once. And when they get here, demonstrate how these robots work. Otherwise, they'll never believe your story. Right. Well, Midvale is one town I'm glad to leave behind me, Jim. I don't blame you, Fern. You had a pretty narrow escape last night. The Avengers saved Dr. Jaw's life by a mere second, Jim. I got there the first moment I could, Fern. When you didn't return to Weiser's place, I naturally became worried. But frankly, I never expected to find anything as fantastic as the professor and his giant brain. Well, we can't say Harry didn't try to warn us. Yes, he certainly did. And for once, the police and everyone else in Midvale will have to admit that the truth in this case was more fantastic than any story poor Harry ever dreamed of. Jim, what will happen to those robots now? Well, they're just so much scrap iron without those control batteries. And the police have confiscated those. What about the giant brain? What will happen to that? It's being removed to the state research laboratory, naturally. The brain is dead now. Within five minutes of being exposed to the air, it lost all its living properties. That would have been a great disappointment to the professor. Well, I'm glad it's dead. It was the most horrible thing I ever saw. You know, Fern, at one time, Professor Rodano was a well-respected scientist. It's a shame that he went mad and used his genius in the wrong direction. He was mad, all right. Jim... Hmm. Did you know that he sent us a delicious dinner of roast duckling last night just before he came down to kill us? No. <laughs> and I suppose the thing that's worrying you now is that you didn't eat it. Well, 
Well, if I'd known how things were going to turn out, I could have done justice to that duckling. Well, don't you worry your pretty head about it, Fern. I'll take you to Carlo's for dinner tonight. Oh, wonderful. I'm sure Carlo's roast duckling is just as good as Rodonov's. <laughs> and he doesn't reserve it for such special occasions. All characters, names, places, and plots used in the Avenger program are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. This is a thought. A thought. A thought. Remember, listen for another adventure of... The Avenger. The road to crime ends in a trap that justice sets. Crime does not pay. sworn enemy of evil is actually Jim Brandon, a famous biochemist. Through his numerous scientific experiments, Brandon has perfected two inventions to aid him in his crusade against crime as the Avenger. The telepathic indicator, by which he is able to pick up thought flashes, and the secret diffusion capsule, which cloaks him in the black light of invisibility. Brandon's assistant, the beautiful Fern Collier, is the only one who shares his secrets and knows that he is the man the underworld fears as the Avenger. And now, The Avenger and Rendezvous with Murder. There's a train coming, Bates. We'd better hide over there behind the bushes until it goes past. Oh, nobody will notice this temper. It's nearly done. I'm not taking any chances. Come on. You're okay. Yeah. Now, we're out of sight here. Yeah, well, who's going to see us out here in this lonely road, I'd like to know? The brakeman or the engineer, maybe. 
How many years do you have to spend in the pen before you learn not to take any chances on witnesses? Oh, lay off that tavern, will you? We're out now, ain't yeah, we? Yeah, I'm not forgetting them five years, Bates. I know because you bungle a small-time stick-up. Why, we could have pulled this Glenhurst bang job long ago if we hadn't landed in the jug. Fly low till the train goes past. Yeah. Okay, it's gone. Let's get out of here, Tapper. This, this place gives me the creeps. Yeah. I just as soon forget what happened to this crossing myself. Yeah. Say... Is this the spot where we planted that contractor on the track six years ago? Sure it is. Yeah, right down the road. There's a place where you and me jumped out of the car and sent it headlong into the 815. Yeah, that's right. Say, I recognize it now. Hey, what'd you come this way for, Tapper? I don't, I don't like to think of that guy we bumped off. You know, murder's one rap you can't... Shut be- up. Nobody said it was murder, did they? The police said it was an accident, just like we planned. It was a pretty slick job all around. Well, maybe, but I still don't see why we had to park our car and come this way. I suppose you'd sooner go down Main Street so everybody could get a gander at us, huh? Oh, right here. Turn turn this way, through these gates. Hey, Tapper, what's the idea? That's a graveyard. Sure. And there ain't a better place for two guys to lay low for a couple of hours. Come on. Oh, I don't like this, Tapper. It's it's like, well, like the coppers are always shooting off about. Returning to the scene of the crime. It's it's like we was trying to put a jinx on ourselves. Oh, damn that kind of gab. What's the matter, Bates? Are you turning yellow? No. Only I'm Come on, just... then. We'll go over there under them trees and stretch out and have a smoke. Yeah. Well, how long we got to wait in this place? Well, it won't be safe to start working on the bank until close to midnight. I figure it shouldn't take us more than an hour to pull out that little section of wall, grab the swag, cover our tracks, and hit the road. Oh, yeah, yeah let's let's sit down here. Okay. Uh, hey, uh, give me a light, will you, Bates? Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, look, look at that, will you? What now? That, that tombstone. Look what it says. Put your flashlight on it and, and stop blubbering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hold it steady, will you? Okay. In memory of Peter Moultrie. It's a contractor guy we bumped off. That was his name, Moultrie. P- Peter Moultrie. Hey, hey, yeah, that's him, all right. Well, I'm getting out of here. Hey, where y'all, Bates? This guy, Moultrie, has been dead and buried for almost six years. He can't hurt us. Yeah, but, Tapper, I tell you, this place is a jinx. Let's pull out, huh? Hey, you nuts. Sit down. We've got some plans to make. Yeah, but this job's got the finger on it, Tapper. I I can feel Shut it. Shut up and listen to me. There's a couple of hundred grand just waiting for us down there on the Glenhurst Bank. All we got to do is go in and take it. I know. Now, but here's the it... blueprint of the bank I snitched when we was helping build the place. Yeah. Yeah, hold, hold the light a little lower. All right. Uh, okay. Now, here's the section of the back wall we rigged. Plenty of room to crawl through. Yeah, but what if somebody hears us knocking the wall out? Not a chance. We fixed that section so it's as weak as putty. Now, this muffled hammer will loosen the bricks. Well, are you sure about the alarm, Captain? Sure. Hey, remember how we looped the wires? Uh-huh. That'll keep the alarm dead within the limits I've marked here. Now... How about the vault? You got all that dope straight, Bates? Yeah, yeah, I can open that all right. Now, we've got to be careful about fingerprints. 
Don't forget, we've got a record now, and they'll nab us pronto if we leave any calling cards. Uh-huh. I got all that. Okay. Now, after we put the dough in the car, we go back and patch up that hole in the wall. That's the part I don't like. I don't see why you want to do that. Tapper. Because that'll give us a whole extra day to get away. That's why. Now, this is Saturday night. If nobody notices anything wrong with the wall, the stick-up won't be discovered until Monday morning. Yeah. I guess you're right at that. Now, now let's grab a couple hours rest. We'll need it when we start driving. Here? Yeah? Sure. This is the best place in the world to sleep. <laughs> Sweet dreams, pal. What's that? Huh? Hey, Tapper! Hey. Take it easy, Bates. What, what's that? Oh, wait a minute. It's only a dog running down toward the freight yard. Oh. What time is it, Tapper? Uh, 10.30. It's time for us to start moving, huh? Bates... I've been thinking. There's just one thing that could trip us up on this job. What's that? It's a long shot, but it's the kind of long shot I don't like. Listen, Tapper, you can count me out if it ain't foolproof. I ain't going to do anything. We can make it foolproof, Bates. I I don't get you. Well, when we was helping build that bank, we went under phony names and kept to ourselves. Yeah, we was careful, all right. You you wouldn't let me go no place. Yeah, but do you remember Moultrie's little girl coming around one day and taking pictures of all the men on the job? No, no, I don't remember that. Well, she did. Later, I got the negatives from her, but now I'm wondering if she might have kept them pictures. Well, what if she did? What's the difference? Plenty. The minute this stick-up's discovered and they get a gander at that pulled-out wall, the coppers will know it was framed by somebody who helped build the place. <laughs> and then they'll start investigating all them guys, huh? Yeah. Yeah, but they'll be up a blind alley about us because of them phony names. Huh? That's where the pictures figure in. That girl would turn them in and the police would match them up with two guys in the rogues' gallery by the name of Tapper and Bates. Oh, that sells it. Count me out. Nothing doing. You and me are going to pay a little visit to Miss Janice Moultrie. We've got to get them pictures. Oh, not me. You're not I... afraid to steal a few snapshots from a kid, are you? No, only... Well, look, Tapper, she she won't be a kid now. She'll, she'll be grown up. So what? Well, nothing, I guess. Well... When do we get started? In another ten minutes. Say, Tapper, what if that Moultrie girl gets in our way? Then it's just going to be too bad for her. Because I'm not going to let any dame stand between me and that money. We'll get them pictures, Bate. If we have to plant that girl right down there beside her old man. Jim, it was sweet of you to drive all the way down here to Glenhurst to take Janice and me to the charity rally. Pure selfishness on my part, Fern. I miss you when you go away for weekends. Oh, that's nice. For a while, it looked as though both Janice and I were going to be stood up. Why? I thought Bill Cummings was going along. He called Janice half an hour ago. He has to work. Oh. Something about drawing up a will for a sick client. Oh, that's too bad. I was looking forward to seeing Bill again. Well, maybe after the rally. No, I can't. Inspector White's going to call me at my hotel at 11.30. I'll have to be there to get his call. We'll have to leave the rally early then. Dinner will be ready in a few minutes. I bet you'll both starve. Oh, Fern is always starving, Janice. Tell me, did she have an appetite like that when she went to school? Always. But how she managed to keep slim on it was what stymied the rest of us. I see where I'm in for a ribbon. (laughs) Jim, I'm awfully glad you could come. I wanted to talk to you about Dad. Your father? 
Yes, Janice still isn't convinced that it was an accident, Jim. No, I'm not, Jim. Oh, I know it was a long time ago, and everyone seems to have forgotten all about it except me. Well, it's natural for you to feel like that, Janice, but the police investigated the case thoroughly at the time, and there was no hint of foul play. I know all that, Jim, but I knew my father. He was a most careful driver, and it was never established what he was doing out there on that lonely road that night. Well, I'll recheck all the evidence tomorrow, if it'll make you feel any better, Janice. Thanks, Jim. Oh, hello, Bosco, old boy. Come here, boy. <laughs> Why, I believe old Bosco's glad to see me. Oh, Bosco, get down. No, no, it's all right, Janice. Come on, boy. Hiya, boy. Hiya. We'd better go into dinner boy. now so we can get started for the rally. Don't bother getting out of the car, Jim. You'd better drive straight to the hotel to get the inspector's call. Yeah, it's uh, 11 o'clock now. After your call comes, Jim, why don't you pick up Bill at his office and both of you come back for a snack? Yes, do. Oh, that'll be fine. Now, let's see. Bill's office is on the second floor of the bank building, isn't it? That's right. We'll expect you in about an hour, then. Yeah, maybe less. So long. Bye, Jim. I wonder where Bosco is. He usually meets us at the gate. Oh, he's probably down at the freight yards. The men down there on the meat cars are always feeding him. Oh, they spoil him terribly. <laughs> now, where's my key? Oh, here it is. Oh, I'm glad you're here, Fern. I always dread coming into this house alone when Aunt Martha's away. What was that? Oh, Bosco must be here. Turn on the living room light, Fern. Bosco! Bosco, where are you? Stay right where you are, both of you. What do you want? What have you been doing in my house? We just dropped in to have a look at your picture album, Miss Moultrie. My picture album? Yeah, where is it? I won't tell you. No? Well, maybe this gun will make you change your mind. Now I remember you. I remember both of you. You worked for my father on the bank construction job six years ago. You've got a good memory, Miss Moultrie, and that's just too bad for you. Now, talk. Where's them pictures? I won't give them to you. Well, we'll see. Give her the arm treatment, Bates. I'll keep this other dame covered. All right, sister. Start singing and make it fast. We're in a hurry. Let me go. No. There you are. No, I won't tell. Let her alone. Shut up, you. Well, Miss Moultrie, are you going to talk, or does Bates have to break your arm? Oh, tell them, Janice. Don't let them hurt you like that. All right. Let go of my arm. I'll tell you. Be quick about it, then. The album's in a chest in that closet. Get it, Bates. Okay. I know what you're after now. You want those pictures I took of you. Smart girl. Too smart. Hey, did you find it, Bates? Yeah, the album's here, all right. Well, hurry up. See if the pictures are in it. Ah, well. Uh, here they are. Hey, they're good, too. Now, will you take them and get out of here? Uh, we'd be pretty dumb to do that, wouldn't we? No, you two dames are coming with us. Coming with you? Why? Security reasons. I've learned that the only good witness is a dead witness. You can't get away with a thing like this. You Bates, know you... Go bring the car up in front of the house. We're all going for a little ride. <laughs> Now, back to the Avenger and the rendezvous with murder.
Why, this is the freight yard. Why have you brought us here? We're going to let you off easy. We're sending you two dames off on a little trip. What are you talking about? You'll see. Pull up here, Tepper. Uh, Get out and open up one of them refrigerator cars, Bates. Sure. No. No, please, you're not going to... Come on, this is the end of the line. Get out. Fern, what can we do? Nothing. Get out, I said. One peep out of either of you, and it'll be your last. How you doing, Bates? Over here, Tapper. These cars are packed and ready to go. I got one of the doors open, though. Okay. Throw the dames in. Okay, come on, Please, Susie. Please, not in there. I'd rather be sorry. Throw her inside, Bates. All right, Tapper. Now the other one. Come no. on. No. Come on, yeah. Get in there. There we are. Now close the door and fix the lock. Wait, okay. <sighs> That's that. Come on, Bates. Keep pounding, Janice. Maybe someone will hear us before the freight pulls out. I can't, Fern. My hands are getting numb. Oh, pound hard. It'll keep the circulation going. What's the use? We're doomed, Fern. We might as well face it. Oh, Janice, don't give up, please. Jim Brandon, Bill. Well, oh, must have gone, I guess. Well, that's strange. Bill wouldn't leave his office unlocked. I'll just take a look. What's that hammering, I wonder? Coming from below that back window. Ah, something very interesting going on down there. I wonder if Bill could have seen that. Better flash my light around here before I could... Bill! Somebody knocked him out cold. Now it looks as though this is another job for the Avenger. Hold it a minute, Bates. Huh? What's up? Yeah. There's a copper pounding his beat on the other side of the street. That Flatfoot better keep moving if he knows what's good for him. Shut up. Is he gone? Uh, yeah. He, he's just turning the corner now. Okay. We can get back to work. Right. Now, I'm finished at this end. How about you, Bates? Well, just a little more. Okay. Did you check the wire stepper? Yeah. Uh, just like we left them six years ago. Okay, I'm ready. Good. Now, crawl in. The vault's right inside on the left. Yeah, yeah, I know. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, let me see. Oh, boy, 
a setup. This plan was foolproof. There's the vault, Bates. Get busy. Hey, uh, give me some light here, will you? Uh-huh. Yeah. Gotta hand it to you, Tapper. This was a pretty sweet idea you dreamed up six years ago. Now you're willing to admit it was worth bumping off Moultrie for, huh? <laughs> it sure was. You know, that door is as good as ours right now. What was that? I heard a funny noise. Yeah, so did I, but, but there can't be anybody in here. Captain Tapper. Who's there? It's the Avenger, Tapper. I'm here to settle an old score for Peter Moultrie. Somebody framed us, Tapper. Let's blow. No. He's one against the two of us. We can take care of him. Grab that crowbar, Bates. I'll flash the light around. We'll find him. There's nobody here, Tepper. He's gone. No, I'm still here, Bates, but you can't see me. The voice came from that corner. Start swinging, Bates. Hey, somebody hit me. Keep swinging, you fool. We've got him cornered. Well, I think I hit something, Tepper. Hey, give me the light. Yeah. I don't see nothing. Well, that's mighty funny. I hit somebody, but... There's nobody here. You're nuts. He got away. That's what. Yeah. Come on, Bates. we got to take it on the lamp. The cops will be here in a minute. They won't get far. As soon as I set off this burglar alarm, I'll start after them. Step on it, Tepper. I'm giving her all she got. Jalopy ain't got wings, you know. Hey, hey, look, Tepper. There's a car following him. Yeah? Hey, you're right. Hey, it must be that Avenger guy. I told you you didn't get him. I did. I hit him, but then he... Then he disappeared, I know. He scrammed. That's what he did. Hey, he's gaining on us. Give him a dose of lead, Bates. It's him or us now. Well, I'll try to hit his tires. Uh, did you get him? No, he's still coming. He's turned his headlights off. Try again. <laughs> Going too fast, Tapper. I can't get a beat on him. Hey, there's a railroad crossing up ahead, and a freight's coming. Yeah, if we can beat that freight to the crossing, we can lose this guy. It'll be close, but it's our only chance. Sit tight. What's the matter with the car, Tapper? I don't know. The engine. Sounds like that again. Can't make it, Tapper. Stop. We gotta make it. Hey, we're still on the track. Stop, Tapper. Over here, bring the light. Well, if I ever saw anybody ask for what they got, those fellas did. Know who they were? Yeah, they just broke into the bank in Glenhurst. I saw them making a getaway and followed. Yeah? Well, they didn't get far. No, they certainly didn't. Say, that's Bosco. Come here, Bosco. Come here, boy. afraid all the way from the yard. Down. Down, Bosco, down. What's the matter, boy? What is it? He's out of scrap from that refrigerator car. I don't think so. I'm going to have a look. What is it, Bosco? What's the matter, boy? What are you trying to tell me? Somebody's in there. What's up? Somebody's inside that car, Brakeman. I heard a pounding on the door. I don't hear anything. Open up that car. I tell you, there's someone in there. Listen, bud, there can't be anybody in there. That's a sealed car. Sealed? Take a look at that door. That railroad seal's been broken. Yeah, you're right. Okay, mister, I'll open her up. It's firm, Janice. Give me a handbrake. Sure. There, there. It's all right, firm. You're safe now. 
Here, quick. Help me get them out of here. They're almost frozen. Are you sure you feel well enough to drive home today, Fern? Yes, I'm all right now, Jim. Of course, I don't feel in the mood for any winter sports yet. Have another hot drink, Fern. Thank you, Janice. There's just one more thing I'm not quite clear on, Jim. And what's that, Janice? Why did those criminals try to get rid of Bill? I think Bill can get you straight on that. What happened, Bill? Well, I was hard at work in my office when I heard a strange hammering sound below the back window. I looked out and saw two men down below. But when I called down to find out what was going on, they just disappeared around the side of the building. I decided to go down and investigate. But before I had time to get out of the office, the two men came in. One of them turned off the light and covered me with a flashlight. The other one must have worked his way around behind me and hit me over the head. I see. Then when Jim came to call for you, he discovered what was going on. That's right. As soon as I saw what Tapper and Bates were up to... I went down and drained the gasoline out of their car and then followed them into the bank. I wanted to get a line on them, so I listened to them talking for a while before I did anything. What did you find out, Jim? Well, they were boasting about how they'd planned the robbery six years ago. Evidently, Janice's father discovered what they were doing, so they killed him and made it look like an accident. Mm -hmm. But if you were in the bank with them, Jim, how did they make a getaway in their car? Well, that hole in the wall left the bank wide open. I had to sound the alarm before I followed them. Anyway, I knew they couldn't get far with a gas tank that was practically empty. It really seems as though those two men had a rendezvous with justice at that crossing, doesn't it? Yes, it was another so-called perfect crime that backfired. Well, you just try to put it out of your mind now, Janice. Okay, Bill. Come on, I'll put a fresh dressing on your head. The doctor said to change it every hour. Yes, Nursie. We'll be back in a minute. Take your time. Jim, one doesn't have to be a detective to figure out that we'll be coming to Glenhurst for a wedding very soon. It certainly looks that way, Fern. Jim, do you suppose that we could... Could, uh, what, Fern? Do you suppose that we could... Could have picked up all this on a telepathic indicator if we had stayed at home? Characters, names, places, and plots used in the Avenger program are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. This is a thought, a thought, a thought. Remember, listen for another adventure of... The Avenger.
Avenger. The road to crime ends in a trap that justice sets. Crime does not pay. Avenger, sworn enemy of evil, is actually Jim Brandon, a famous biochemist. Through his numerous scientific experiments, Brandon has perfected two inventions to aid him in his crusade against crime as the Avenger. The telepathic indicator by which he is able to pick up thought flashes, and the secret diffusion capsule, which cloaks him in the black light of invisibility. Brandon's assistant, the beautiful Fern Collier, is the only one who shares his secrets and knows that he is the man the underworld fears as the Avenger. And now, The Avenger and the Eyes of Shiva. Come in. Oh, uh, good evening, Mr. Thurmont. Hello, Croft. Have a chair, Thurmont. What's on your mind? As though you didn't know. Well, I can guess, of course. When a young man about town calls on a gambler in his office... It means he's broke, Croft. I want you to okay another I.O.U. for me. Fairmont, you're in too deep. I can't give you any more credit. Listen, Croft, don't try any of those cold-shoulder tactics on me. I've lost a fortune in this club. That's just the point. You already owe me 35 grand, Fairmont. When are you going to pay up? You'll get your money. But I've got to have a little time. That's, your, that's what you've been saying for a month. Now, let's get down to cases, Thurmont. Either you pay up or I use my own methods of collecting. I see. You're all set to give me the works, aren't you, Croft? If necessary. Give me one more week and I can raise the money. Sorry. I need more than your word for that, Thurmont. May I ask where you expect to get that kind of money? From my Aunt Lydia. Mrs. Wimbersham? Yes. What makes you think she'll advance you 35000 just for the asking? She'll have to. And if she doesn't? Then, well, I have another way of getting it. No, Thurmont. I can't accept vague promises any longer. 
I'll give you 24 hours to raise the dough. I can't do it in that time. You'll have to make it a week, Croft, if you want to collect your money. What's your plan, then? I've got to know my chances. Well, you've heard of my aunt's rubies, the famous Eyes of Sheba. Who hasn't? I've got a customer for those rubies, Croft. You... You mean you plan to steal the rubies from your aunt? Well, if you want to put it as crudely as that, yes. They'll be mine someday anyway, so I might as well get them now and they can do me the most good. And if you're caught? I don't think Aunt Lydia would prosecute the family name and all that. This uh, brave customer you spoke of, who is he? It seems unbelievable to me that anyone would be foolish enough to buy such famous stones. Those rubies can never be put on the market. They'll be too hot. My customer will give me 200000 for them. And he has no desire to market them. 200000 Who has that kind of dough? A rich Indian importer. He's tried to buy the rubies from my aunt directly, but she won't sell. You see, those stones have a special significance to the people of his country. At one time, those rubies were the eyes of an ancient statue of the goddess Shiva. This rich Indian owns that statue now, and he wants to have the eyes replaced. Well, I don't know. That statue stuff's all Greek to me. I never even heard about this Shiva goddess. You should have, Croft. Shiva is the goddess of thugs. She has seven arms and strangles all who do not please her. I'd say she speaks your language, Croft. Hmm. Sounds like a very interesting game. Well, Croft, in case my aunt refuses to give me the money, are you willing to give me that week's grace to get the rubies? All right, Thermont. I'll play ball. Good. Take a few days to work on your aunt for the money, though, before you risk stealing the rubies. Thirty-five grand in a hand is worth more than two hundred thousand in some goddess's eyes. It's a deal, Croft. We have a date then, Thermont. A week from tonight. Let's, uh, have a drink on it. Everyone in the Blue Book has turned out for this opening. Well, it certainly does, Fern. A nightclub opening, too. Ah, I guess the place is made. If they squeeze us in any tighter here, we won't dare eat any dinner. Oh, now we must avoid that catastrophe at any cost. Oh, Jim, help me pick out the celebrities. Well, uh, let's see. There's the mayor over there. Oh. And at the table next to him are Mrs. Lydia Wimbersham and her nephew, Hollis Thurman. Oh, I've heard of her. She's the richest woman in the state, isn't she? Yes, but young Hollis is doing everything he can to relieve her of that honor. Oh, Fern, she's wearing her rubies, the earrings. Gee, Ma, those the famous eyes of Shiva rubies? That's right, Fern. Oh, good heavens, I never thought I'd see such jewels in a nightclub. Mrs. Wimbersham doesn't appear in public very often, but when she does, she makes folks sit up and take notice. Oh, gosh, this is exciting. Jim, let's dance. I want to get a closer look at those rubies. <laughs> All right, Fern, let's go. <laughs> Well, Aunt Lydia, did you have a good time? I did, Hollis. You were a dear to invite me. It's quite a nice club. 
I suppose you noticed that your rubies got more attention than the floor show. Well, this is the first time I've worn them in a year. I was surprised. Why did you wear them tonight, Aunt Lydia? It's your uncle's birthday, Hollis. When he was living, I always wore the rubies on his birthday. And since his death, I've continued to do so. You knew that. Of course. I'd forgotten. Hollis, what's the matter? You've seemed preoccupied all evening. Oh, it's the same old thing, Auntie. You're not having money troubles again, Hollis. I'm afraid I am, Aunt Lydia. How much are you overdrawn this time? It's worse than that. I might as well tell you the truth, Auntie. I'm in debt for 35000 Hollis, how did that happen? Why, I've always given you a generous allowance. Hollis, have you been gambling again? After you promised me... I know, I know. I, I'm wrong, and I admit it. But that doesn't satisfy my creditors. Hollis, I won't give you the money this time. What am I to do, then? I don't know. You gave me your word when I paid your debts last time that it wouldn't happen again. And now this. You'll have to settle your debts as best you can on your allowance. That sounds final, Aunt Lydia. It is, Hollis. Believe me, my boy, it's for your own good. It's high time you settled down and lived on your income. All right. Let's forget it, Auntie. Don't lecture me tonight. Do you want James to drive you home, Hollis? No. I was hoping you'd invite me in for a nightcap. Oh, of course. Come along. That's all for tonight, James. Good night. We'll have to serve ourselves, though. I gave the servants the night off. That's all right, Auntie. Give me your key. I'll open the door. Here. Those servants have left all the lights burning again. Uh, Go into the library, Hollis. I'll join you in a minute. Where are you going, Auntie? I want to put these earrings in the safe in the living room. Go ahead. Mix yourself something to drink, Hollis. Right. Don't be long. I'll send these rubies back to the vault tomorrow. I feel uneasy having them here in the safe. Oh, it's a relief to get them off. They're so heavy. Let me see. The combination is three, one, oh, seven. There. Into your little box, back in the safe. startled me. I'm sorry. I, uh, I came in to ask if you think we might find the makings of a sandwich. That nightclub dinner was on the meager side. Oh, of course. I'll see what's in the icebox. You know, Hollis, I don't think I'll ever wear the eyes of Shiva in public again. Why not? Well, I had the strangest feeling tonight. Oh, it's silly, I know, but... Suddenly, I thought of the rubies as real eyes. Huge, glaring red eyes staring back at all those people. Come now, Auntie. None of your morbid fancies tonight. (laughs) All right, Hollis. I'm sorry. Uh, Bring the drinks into the kitchen and help me with the sandwich. Right. I'll be with you in a moment.
I hear footsteps in this room. Who's there? Who are you? What do you want? I want the combination to your safe, Mrs. Wimbisham. No. No. Get out of here. Now, if you'll just be calm and do as I say, you won't get hurt. No use to reach for the phone. The wires are cut. This is an outrage. Come downstairs and open up that safe, or... Well, I'm prepared to kill you if I have to. It's up to you. All right. I'll come. After you, Mrs. Wimbersham. You're after the rubies, of course. But what good will they do you? No one will dare buy them. I'll worry about that. This way. Okay. Now suppose you open up the safe. Three. One. Oh. Seven. Very simple. Should have been able to figure that out for myself. All right, take out the rubies. What sort of game is this? They're not here. You've already taken them. No stalling now. Fish them out. They're not here, I tell you. Look for yourself. Stand back. They're not here. And you knew they weren't. Talk fast, Mrs. Wimbersham. Where are those rubies? I don't know. I put them in the safe less than two hours ago. And now they're gone. You're lying. Where are they? Honestly, I don't know. I'm going to get those rubies, Mrs. Wimbersham, if I have to choke the truth out of you. Believe me, I'd tell you if I knew. Well, we'll see about that. Talk! Take your heads away. You're choking. Where are they? I don't know. Please, I... Answer. Quick, or I'll finish the job. I, I don't know what happened to them. Oh, where are they? My rubies. The eyes of Gina. And now, back to the Avenger and the eyes of Shiva. Jim, I feel terribly sorry for Inspector White. I'm afraid he'll be out of office if he doesn't break the Wimbledon murder soon. Well, Fern, it's been almost a week now since it happened, and the newspapers are playing it up big. Frankly, it's a very puzzling one. Jim, haven't you been able to pick up anything on the telepathic indicator that might help? No, I haven't. If I'd been at the indicator the night the murder was committed, I probably could have. But by the time we found out about it, the strong emotional impulses that surround a death by violence had weakened, and I could pick up only confused impressions. Jim, do you think Mrs. Wimbersham's nephew could have done it? Well, evidently the police don't think so, Fern. They released Thurmont yesterday. Oh, that must be Inspector White now. Now let him in, will you, Fern? Yes, sir. Hello, Inspector. Come in, Jim's waiting for you. Thanks, Fern. In the laboratory, Inspector. Good morning, Inspector. Well, nothing good about it, Brandon. Have a chair, and let's hear what's on your mind, Inspector. Well, look here, Jim. I'm going to put my cards on the table. I'm up a blind alley on this Wibbersham case. I see by the papers that you've released Thurma. Well, we had to. He had an airtight alibi, for the murder at least. That leaves you high and dry for a suspect, doesn't it, Inspector? Never higher and never dry, Fern. Well, Inspector, I don't know whether you want my advice or not. Usually you don't. Stop rubbing it in, Jim. You got any ideas? Spill them. I'm open to anything. Okay, Inspector. If you're really asking me, I'd say that Hollis Thurman had such a good motive for both the murder and the theft that he might be the connecting link between them. 
provided both crimes were not committed by the same person. Well, we've got a tail on him every minute of the day and night. And if he gets in touch with anybody, we'll know it. And where is he now? At the country club, playing golf. Playing golf? His aunt's death couldn't have affected him much. I've got an idea, Inspector. Call off your men and let Fern and me trail Thurman for the rest of the day. Okay. But call in a report to my office every hour, Jim. And don't give out any statements to the newspaper. Why, Inspector, you used to love Now, listen here, Jim. Just because you got me up a tree, you All can't... right, all right, Inspector. No feature stories until you solve the case. Come on, Fern. You and I are going to brush up on our golf. <laughs> Jim, I've hit another ball out of bounds. My dear Miss Collier, the idea is to keep your eye on the ball, remember? Yes, that's just the trouble. I'm trying to keep one eye on the ball and the other on Hollis Thurmond playing there ahead of us. Oh. Jim, I'm convinced that young Thurmond can't be guilty. And why not, Fern? He's playing too good a game. His conscience must be clear. Now, he's good, all right. We've been following him for 16 holes, and he's made at least 10 of them in par. We're in good company. That man playing behind us is good, too. Yes, I've noticed that. Look, Jim. Yeah. Thurmond is teeing off for the 17th hole. Let's watch for a minute. All right, if you think it'll improve your game. Mm. Oh, I can't believe it. He sliced that one badly. He hit it way out of bounds in the rough. He's setting up another one. Oh, he sliced that one, too. And it landed in exactly the same place as the other. That 17th hole must be a jink. Look, Jim. Thurmond is mad. He's going to stop playing. Would you folks mind if I played through you? Oh, no, not at all. Go ahead. Thanks. Thank you very much. Not at all. Well, that fellow's just as good as Thurmont. Now he's ready for the 17th hole. Wonder how he'll make out. Oh, Thurmont's going toward the clubhouse, Fern. We'd better go. We don't want to give him a chance to slip away from here without us. All right, Jim. Jim, did you see that? Yes. That fellow who played through us sliced his ball just like Thurmont did. And it landed in the same place, too. But he's going after his. Now, that's a very strange coincidence. I want... Jim, we'd better hurry if we want to catch up with Thurmont. Yeah, right, Fern. Come on. Did Thurmont come out of the clubhouse yet, Fern? Yes, a few moments ago, Jim. He went around to get his car. I just called the inspector. He says we're to stay with Thermont. Oh, we'd better get in the car, then, and be ready to follow. Right. I think we're on a cold trail, though. Thermont hasn't even spoken to anyone out here. Help! Help! Get the police! What's happened? Mr. Thermont, he's been strangled in his car. Call Inspector White at police headquarters, attendant. Yes, sir. Tell him to get out here right away. Yes, sir. Oh, Jim, I can't believe it. Why, only a few moments ago, I... I want you to get a caddy and go down to the rough and get those golf balls. The golf balls? Why, what in the world can they have to do with it? Never mind that now. Get those golf balls and bring them back here. All right, Jim. And in the meantime, I'll see if I can pick up the trail of Thurmont's murderer. Well, Brandon, now that we're back at headquarters and can't be overheard, what have you got to say for yourself? Not a thing, Inspector. Evidently, Thurmont's murderer was waiting for him in his car. Thurmont was strangled in exactly the same way as his aunt. It happened very suddenly, Inspector. Why, we just gave Thurmont a few minutes to drive around the clubhouse in his car so that we could follow him. Don't worry about that, Fern. If the murderer hadn't caught up with him there, it would have happened somewhere else. But the newspapers are screaming for my scalp, nonetheless. We'll get the murderer, Inspector. 
All we have to do is find that man who followed Fern and me on the golf course. He's our man. What makes you so sure of that, Jim? Because Fern found only one golf ball when she went down to the rough. Thurmont hit two down. And our suspect hit one down there. Now, if our suspect really went down there to recover his own ball, he would either have picked up his own and left Thurmont's two, or picked up all three. Since he left one ball there, he must have picked up Thurmont's two. It was too far out of bounds for ordinary stray balls. Where does that get us? Miss Jim, I don't see what difference it makes whose golf balls he picked up. If those two golf balls Thurmont sliced into the rough had the rubies in them, it would make plenty of difference, wouldn't it? Jim, do you think... I certainly do, Inspector. Thurmont deliberately knocked those balls into the rough for somebody to pick up. And we know who recovered those balls. We do? Who? Jim means we know what the man looks like. Inspector, I want to see every picture you've got of known criminals in this state. Come on, Fern, we're going to work. Okay. Well, uh, this batch of pictures just came in this morning. Mostly parole jumpers believed headed this way. Well, now, that sounds like a good bet. No local criminal would have taken such risks of being recognized. Here, Fern, you look through that batch. Yeah. Oh, this is the craziest case I've ever worked on. None of it makes any sense. Well, it's beginning to, Inspector. Well, not to me. Be patient for another day or two, Inspector, and you'll have the newspapers eating out of your hand. Jim, Jim here he is. What? This is the man who played through us on the golf course. Why, sure enough. Clyde Devers, jewel thief, served sentences in... Looks like you've hit on something, Jim. Inspector, have your men track down this golf ball. What for, Jim? I believe Devers was fronting this job for someone. Let's shoot for the jackpot, Inspector. This is Clutcher Cross Place, Vern. According to the inspector's list... Croft buys the type of golf ball Devers used. Oh, but what makes you think Croft is our likeliest prospect, Jim? Young Thurmont owed him money. Well, it's worth the try. Now, that's Croft's office straight through the entrance hall. Mm-hmm. Now, you know what to say. And don't be frightened, because when Croft opens the door to let you in, the Avenger will be right behind you. I'm not afraid, Jim. Good girl. Go ahead, then. Come in. Mr. Croft? Yes? What do you want? Come in and close the door. Mr. Croft, I'm from the firm Byers and Trembling. We're in charge of settling the Wimbersham estate, and I'm getting a list of Hollis Thurmont's creditors. What was the amount Mr. Thurmont owed you? Since when our gambling debt's paid off by an estate. You wouldn't happen to be a detective, would you? Why, no, I'm... Devers! Devers, come in here! What's up, Croft? This dame... From the police, I think. Lock the doors, David. Now, uh, speak up, miss. Just who are you? I, I just came here on a hunch. I thought I might find the eyes of Shiva Rubies here. Why, this is the dame that was on the golf course. The day I... The day you murdered Thurmont, isn't that right, Devers? Who's that? Where did that voice come from? From the Avenger, Croft. The Avenger? We're sunk, Clutcher. Not yet, Devers. Grab the girl. No. We can't see the Avenger, but we can see her. Cover her with your gun. Reach, you... You're playing the fool, Devers. Croft is double-crossing you. He's edging toward the inner office to make his getaway. No, you don't, Croft. You're not hanging this rap on me. Take it easy, Devers. Stay where you are, or I'll drill you. It's every man for himself now, Devers. Come back here, Croft. You've had that coming for a long time, Clutcher. My gun. Pick it up, young lady. I knocked it out of your hand. 
I have it, Avenger. Stand back against the wall, Devers. Shoot him if he makes a move. It was Croft, I tell you. He hired me. He, he engineered the whole thing. He's oh, the man you... dead, Devers. Save your story for the police. <laughs> ready to talk now. At last, I was beginning to think he'd never break. All right, Devers. Why did you kill Lydia Wimbersham? Because I thought she was lying when she said she didn't know where the rubies were. Didn't it occur to you that Thurmont might have taken them? No, I didn't know anything about the Thurmont angle until after I failed to get the rubies. Then Croft told me Thurmont must have beaten us to it. But by that time, Thurmont was in jail for questioning concerning the murder of his aunt. Yeah. We just had to sit tight and wait until he was free to make contact with his customer. When did you first suspect that the rubies were in the golf ball? Not until Thurmont sliced them into the rough. I'm an expert on golf. I could see that he deliberately sliced those balls. Then, after you recovered the balls, you went back to the clubhouse and killed Thurmont? Croft told me to. He was afraid Thurmont would begin squawking to the police when he discovered Croft had framed him. What was your next move, Devers? Well, we tried to contact Thurman's customer, the rich Indian importer, but discovered he'd sailed quietly for home as soon as he heard about Mrs. Wimbersham's murder. He was scared of getting involved, I guess. So the rubies weren't worth a penny to you and Croft because the one and only customer for them was on the high seas. Yeah. And by that time, we were wishing we'd never heard of the eyes of Shiva. Any more questions, Jim? No. That just about cleans up the case, Inspector. Okay. That's all, Davis. The charge is murder. Three of them. Take them away, boys. But, Jim, I still don't understand. If that Indian importer had sailed for home, why did Thurmont go ahead with the plan for delivering the jewels to him? Thurmont didn't know the Indian had fled, Fern, and he was desperate, desperate for money. Oh, good grief. No wonder the inspector said this was the craziest case he ever worked on. Well, you can say that again, Fern. This one almost had the Avenger baffled, too. <laughs> Characters, names, places, and plots used in the Avenger program are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. This is a thought, a thought, a thought. Remember, listen for another adventure of... The Avenger... The road to crime ends in a trap that justice sets. Crime does not pay. (laughs) 
avenger, sworn enemy of evil, is actually Jim Brandon, a famous biochemist. Through his numerous scientific experiments, Brandon has perfected two inventions to aid him in his crusade against crime as the avenger. The telepathic indicator by which he is able to pick up thought flashes and the secret diffusion capsule, which cloaks him in the black light of invisibility. Brandon's assistant, the beautiful Fern Collier, is the only one who shares his secrets and knows that he is the man the underworld fears as the Avenger. And now... The Avenger and the Coins of Death. Thank you. You come to Yanina, the queen of the gypsies, to have your future foretold. Is that not so? Yes. My name is Casper Hobson. A friend of mine recommended to you. Sit there, across the table, in the lamplight. I would see your face. Oh, yes, of course. Now, cross this old gypsy's palm with silver, and she will call upon the spirits of all Romany to reveal your future to Yanina. Silver, yes. Uh, I have a coin for you here. A, a rare old silver coin. Here, take it. No! No! I curse upon you! Got you! What is it? What's the matter? Oh, this silver is accursed. You are doomed. What are you talking about? A curse upon you! Got you! Go away! Go away! You have no future. Listen here, I have a right to know what you're raving you go about. Go away, Gado. Get out. Baldo, Baldo. Come quick. Drive this cursed one from the gypsy camp. All right, I'll go. But this sort of thing is outrageous. You'll be reported to the police. Go, Gado, go. The mark of death is upon you. You have no future. Out of my sight, Gado. Go, go. You have no future. <laughs> Climb in the car, quick, Casper. You're dripping wet. Yes, thanks, Tom. Let's get out of here. Casper, you're shaking like a leaf. What's the matter? Start driving. I'll tell you. Now, what is it? Well, that old hag of a gypsy woman. She drove me out. You mean she wouldn't tell your fortune? That's right, Tom. She shrieked at me like a mad woman. <laughs> Told me I had no future. Oh, that's nothing to get so upset about, Casper. Probably her stock way of getting rid of customers after she gets her money. Yeah, that's what I would have thought, too. Except she didn't take my money. She didn't take your money? No, she threw it away from her as though it had a plague on it. Then she started shouting that I had no future. Oh, don't take it so seriously, Casper. All this fortune-telling is a bunk anyway. I'm surprised you ever bothered driving out here over this muddy country road in this weather. Our business worries can drive a man to any extreme, Tom, and I am worried. Now, look, Casper, you're on the very threshold of a million dollars. That C3M you've invented will revolutionize the whole industry. That's just the trouble. It'll drive hundreds of established companies out of business and make a legion of enemies for me. Be, be careful, Tom. Tom, you almost went off the road there. The cliff dropped sheer all along here. Yeah, it's raining so hard I can hardly see. 
muddy roads as slippery as glass. Well, take it easy. My nerves are bad enough as it is. Ah, good dinner will fix you up, Casper. We're coming to the summit of the hill now. It won't be so bad from there on in. Yeah. Gee, look at that rain. Yeah. Hey, Tom, we've got a flat. Steady the car. I can't. We're skidding. The brakes won't hold. We're going over the cliff. Jump, Tom, jump! picked up that wild music on the telepathic indicator again. Where do you suppose it's coming from, Jim? I'm not sure, Fern, but it sounds like gypsy music. Could be coming from that gypsy camp several miles out of town. Fern, quick, turn up the volume a little. Yes, Jim. What happened, Jim? Suddenly, right in the midst of the music, there was a crashing sound, and then complete silence. Maybe the storm cut off the reception. That's not very likely, Fern. Telepathic messages aren't usually affected by elemental disturbances. When the indicator suddenly loses contact with a strong impression like that, it usually means that the thought itself has been terminated by violence. Oh, stay with it, Jim. Looks like this may be something important. Were you able to pick up anything more, Jim? No, not a thing, Fern. That must be Inspector White, Jim. Remember, we invited him to dinner. Oh, yes. Uh, turn off the indicator, Fern. Yeah. I'll let the inspector in. Right, Jim. Just when I finish up all the reports on one case, something else turns up. Good evening, Fern. Oh, hello, Inspector. We'll be ready to go as soon as I filed his reports. Is it still raining? Well, it's beginning to let up a little now. Some storm, though. Anything new at headquarters, Inspector? Not a thing, Jim. Had a nice, quiet, routine day for a change. No, I'll get it, Fern. Hello? Oh, yes. Yes, the inspector just came in. Just a minute, please. It's for you, inspector. Oh, what's up now? Hello? Inspector White speaking. What? Holy smoke, it would have to happen way out there. Okay, yeah, I'll go right away. What's the trouble, inspector? A car went over the cliff out near Marsden. An accident. But I've got to get out there and make a report. Well, we'll go with you, Inspector. We can have dinner when we get back. Yes, uh, this may be the very thing I picked up on the indicator a while ago. Now, listen, Jim. You can come along if you want to. But don't try any of your hunches. This is an accident. This is the road we took to the scene of the accident last night? That's right, Fern. Well, why are we coming out here again? Jim, you're holding back on me. What are you up to? Well, I did a little checking when I got home last night, Fern, and discovered that this Hobson accident was the second to occur at that same spot within a few months. Oh, in other words, you're suspicious? Yes. But this is a very dangerous piece of road, Jim, and in wet weather I can easily see how a car might skid over the side. Yes, but what was that car doing out here last night? This is really a private road, and no one in his right mind would drive over it in a storm if there were any other way of reaching his destination. Well, this is all farmland around here. Here's the spot where the car went over the cliff. Uh, I want to take a look around. Come on, Fern. What are you looking for, Jim? The tires on that car were badly ripped. I wonder if that happened before the car went over or when it crashed. Well, let's see if we can find anything. The rain seems to have done a good job of covering up all traces of the skidding. Mm, the mud's too deep to do much walking around here. 
Yeah? They might as well drive on, Fern. There's not a trace of a clue here. Jim, there's a fork in the road just ahead. Yeah, and there's a mailbox there, too. I, I want to see the name on it. Oh, I think you're making a mountain out of a molehill, Jim. This is just an old country road. Can you make out the name on the box? Yeah, it's, uh, Philip Peters. Now what? Do we drive up that road and call on Farmer Philip Peters? No, no, we don't. First, we'll investigate the other fork in the road. Well, nothing's invigorating as a morning drive in the country, I always say. Only when I think of all the work I have to do on those laboratory reports, I can enjoy it as I should. Look, Fern, over there. Oh, it's a gypsy camp. I thought they were located somewhere in this section. Now this motor trip is beginning to make a little sense. Listen. Can you hear music? Oh, yes. It's nice, isn't it? Nice. Fern, that's the same music I picked up on the telepathic indicator just before the crash last night. Oh, gosh, Jim. Do you suppose all this adds up to something? I think so, Fern. Come on. Jim, do you think it's a good idea to go barging in on these gypsies? Well, we'll soon find out. Look, Jim. Yeah? There's an old gypsy woman standing in front of that first tent. She's giving us a dirty look. Let's see if she'll give us any information. Stop, Baldo! Stop music! Stop music, I say! Make circle, gypsies. Make wrong circle. Oh, Jim, I don't like this. Those gypsies look menacing. What do strangers want from gypsies? A little information. Oh. Oh, you want fortune told. Across all Yanina's palm with silver, and she will call upon the spirits of all Romany. Uh, no, no, you don't understand. It's uh, not about myself I wish to ask. Uh, what then? What you want? I'm making inquiries about the accident that occurred near here last night. Gypsies don't know, don't know anything. Did two men come here last night about 7 o'clock? You're from police? Yes, I'm connected with the police. So you'd better tell me what you know. What's he saying, Jim? I don't know. Answer in English. What did you say? Gypsies know nothing. Go away. Let gypsies alone. Not until you answer my question. Were there two men here last night? Yes. One man come... The other waiting car. What did the man want? He want Gypsy to tell him future. Yes, and what did you tell him? What can I tell him? He is cursed. He has no future. How did you know that? You didn't read that in his palm. I will say nothing more. Then I think you better come with us. Maybe the police can make your talk down in headquarters. No, no. I'm a lane. Speak in English. The accursed must die. You cannot blame gypsies? Maybe not. But you know more than you're telling. Oh, Jim, I think we'd better get out of go here. Go away, Gato, go away. Things will go better with you if you'll come along with us quietly. No, no, I will not go. You, Gato, always try to make trouble for gypsies. Oh, Jim, come on. Those men have clubs and they're closing in on us. Go away, go away. Gato! 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 Become Gato! Back to the Avenger and the Coins of Death. 
Jim, this case is beginning to look sinister. Don't you worry your pretty head, Fern. Things are beginning to shape up fairly well now. Jim, just how much stock do you put in the weird story that old gypsy woman told them down at headquarters? Well, that's hard to say, Fern. Yanina was wild with anger because we sent Inspector White's men out there to bring her in. She might have told a few lies just to get even. That's why I'm going to investigate everything she said. Well, she claimed that Philip Peters, who owns the land where the gypsy camp is located, gave them permission to stay there as long as they wished it, didn't she? Yes, and uh, now that either means that Mr. Peters is a very generous man or that he had some reason for wanting the gypsies to stay there. Oh, I don't trust those gypsies, Jim. All the facts in the case seem to hinge around them. Yes. You need to admit that Richfield, the first victim, came to her camp the night he went over the cliff three months ago. She told him he had no future, and no one ever saw him alive again. Then she told Hobson the same thing, and he went over the cliff. Well, we can be sure she's holding something back, Jim. She absolutely refused to reveal why she told those two men they had no future. Yes, she conveniently claimed that the spirits of her tribe would curse her if she reveals her reason for predicting their deaths. Oh, a neat method of holding back vital information, I'd say. Well, we'll soon find out. Right now, I'm off to have a talk with Philip Peters. Do I come too, Jim? No, Fern. I'm going out to the Peters farm as the Avenger. What's that? Who's in this barn? It's the Avenger, Peters. The Avenger? Where are you? I can't see you. No, but you can hear me, Peters. Well, what do you want? I I haven't done anything. I thought the Avenger only fought criminals. I haven't committed any crime. Are you quite sure of that, Peters? There's evidence against you. Well, you can't frighten me, Avenger. I'm an honest farmer, and my conscience is clear. Then you shouldn't mind answering some questions, if they'll help solve a murder. Well, what are you getting at? Just this. Why did you give that tribe of gypsies permission to live rent-free on your land? Well, I didn't. I... Well, I mean, that is, I... What do you mean, Peters? If you didn't want them to stay, you could have driven them off. This is your land, isn't it? Yes, that is, in, in a way... Start making sense, Peters. Or I'm not going to believe you're as innocent as you claim to be. Well, uh, all right. I, I was warned never to tell this. But I didn't count on getting mixed up in anything crooked. Do you own the land, or don't you? Oh, no, no, I, I don't own it. Uh, the property's in my name, and I run this farm. But uh, somebody else really owns the place. Who owns it, Peters? Well, Dr. Milet, who lives at Seven Willows. He's the owner. But he doesn't want anybody to know it. He said I could live here rent-free as long as I pretended the place was mine. Was it Dr. Milet's idea to let the gypsies stay here? Yes, uh, that was part of the bargain. I was to let the gypsies camp here until he told me to drive them off. They've been here for almost a year now. I don't think they'll want to stay much longer, Peters. Well, uh, I'll be out on my ear now, too. Say nothing of this, and you will be protected. You have aided justice, Peters. But remember, you must say nothing of this encounter with the Avenger. <laughs> just ahead. I think this must be the lane Jim meant for me to meet him. Oh, I thought he'd be here waiting. 
I hope nothing's happened. Oh, there he is. Jim, over here. Uh, hello, Fern. You're punctual to the minute. Well, get in the car, Jim, and tell me what's been happening. What in the world were you doing up at Seven Willows? I thought you were going to see Peter. I went to Peter's first and then came here to get a line on Dr. Milet. Dr. Milet? Who's he? He's a mind analyst who specializes in silent thought as a nerve treatment for wealthy clients. Well, how does he fit into the picture? Did you question him? No, I went into Seven Willows merely to observe and listen. No one saw me. Did you find out anything, Jim? Plenty, I think. Dr. Milet was interviewing a young lady by the name of Helen Dresden. When she asked him for advice about her future, he suggested that she visit the gypsies. Ah, this is beginning to add up to something at last. Yeah, we'll have to work fast, Burns. starting to rain. Well, what do we do, Jim? First, we'll intercept Miss Dresden as she drives past here. I'll block the road with our car and she'll have to stop. There. We'd better get out of the car, Fern. All right. Oh, here she comes now. What's the matter? Is your car stalled? Uh, no, we want to speak to you for a moment. What is this? Listen, if you... Oh, please don't be frightened, Miss Dresden. This is Jim Brandon of the police department. Oh. Well, what do you want? Miss Dresden, I have reason to believe your life is in danger. Well, that's a perfectly silly idea. Oh, no, it isn't, Miss Dresden. Several deaths have already occurred, and Mr. Brandon thinks you are the next online. You're headed for the gypsy camp, aren't you, Miss Dresden? That's right. If you wish to save your life, you'll let Miss Collier go in your place. But, but why? You will have to trust us, Miss Dresden. Well, well, what do you want me to do? You take my car and go directly to police headquarters. We'll borrow your car and go to the gypsy camp. Hmm. All right. I don't get this, but if you're from the police, I suppose you know what you're doing. Oh, and uh, one other thing, Miss Dresden. What instructions did Dr. Milet give you? Why, uh, well, none in particular. Uh, he told me the gypsy woman, Janina, was clever at foretelling the future. Yeah. To go over there and, um... Oh, yes, he told me to give her this old silver coin. Let me see and... that coin. Here. Look at this, Fern. What is it, Jimmy? Oh, I've never seen a silver piece like that. No, Fern. This is Dr. Milet's coin of death. That's Yanina's tent, Fern. I'll wait here while you go inside. You know what to do. Yes, Jim. This should only take a minute. Madame Yanina? Madame Yanina, may I come inside? Yes. Come. Oh, it's you. What you want now? Come make more trouble for gypsies. No, Madame Yanina. I want to have my future read. Now you make joke of gypsy. No, seriously. I want you to tell my fortune. Uh, sit down, then. Across the gypsy's palm with silver. Yes. Here's a coin. No! No! What's the matter? You are cursed! You have no future! Go away! Gato! Go away! Oh, Madame Yanina! No, go! Go, you have no future! You have no future! Out of my sight, Gato! You will die! You will die!
Now, Fern, are you sure you understand exactly what to do? Yes, Jim. When we come to that big pine tree, just before we reach the place where those other cars went over the cliff, I'm to jump out of the car. I'll stay with the car a moment longer and then follow you. We'll be sure to jump in time, Jim. Otherwise... When you jump out, keep well off the road so no one can see you. I understand. Open the car door, Fern. Get ready. We're coming to the place. Okay, Fern. Jump. Well, I don't seem to have any broken bones. I hope Jim makes it all right. Gosh, I'm covered with mud. Fern. Fern, where are you? Here, Jim. You all right? Oh, fine. There goes the car over the cliff, Fern. Come on. Well, look, Jim. There's a man on the road up ahead. Yes, he's pulling in a big board from the road. It's time for action, Fern. Oh, do be careful, Jim. All right, Dr. Miles. I've got you covered. Stand where you are. Who's that? It's the police. Your little scheme didn't work this time, Doctor. The police? You will take me alive. Jim, he's running toward the cliff. He's not going to get away as easy as that. I'll hit him off. Oh, be careful, Jim. This road is slippery. No, you don't, Dr. Miles. Let me go. You don't want it for murder, Miles. And you're going to get what's coming to you. Yes, Fern. I had to knock Milo out. Oh, Jim, for a moment, I thought... Come on, Fern. Let's get our prisoner back to town. You're drenched. Jim, uh... There are just a few points I want to get clear before I speak to the reporters. Reporters, Inspector? So soon? Well, this is something hot, Jim. Until I got Mylot's confession, those deaths were booked as accidents. Really? You should be more careful, Inspector. Now, Jim, don't start that. Okay, okay, Inspector. What do you want to know? Well, Mylot confessed that he was paid by a big businessman to get rid of Richfield and Hobson. Because both of them were about to patent a new process... That would have ruined their competitors. But he won't say a word about that Dresden girl. Why did he plan to get rid of her? Yes, Jim. I don't understand that either. Helen Dresden was to inherit a fortune on her 25th birthday, which falls next week. Now, Miss Dresden didn't know this, but one of her cousins did and paid Dr. Milet to get rid of Helen so the fortune would be divided among the remaining relatives. But, Jim... All this doesn't explain what part the gypsies played in the affair. The gypsies were the mysterious angle in the case, Fern. Actually, though, they had nothing to do with the murders. They didn't? No. Dr. Milet had the gypsies on that land in order to have an excuse to send his victims out on that deserted road. While his victim visited the gypsy, Milet laid his trap. You see, he placed a big plank with long spikes in it across the road just at the summit of the cliff. And he covered the whole thing with mud so it couldn't be seen. Now, the road was very narrow there at the summit. And when the tires blew out, the car skidded enough to send it right over the cliff. And he always chose rainy weather for the job so that the car would be certain to skid. And to make it look more like an accident. But those coins, what about them, Jim? The coins were just a precaution to cast suspicion on the gypsies in case the victim might survive the accident. But why did the old gypsy go wild at the very sight of those coins and tell everyone who offered them to her that he had no future? Because, Fern, those coins were exact copies of the silver Judas accepted for the betrayal. All gypsies have been taught to hate them. 
and to believe that all who possess them are doomed. Well, I think I owe Yanina an apology. Her predictions proved true in this case, anyway. Those really were coins of death. <laughs> Characters, names, places, and plots used in the Avenger program are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. This is a thought. A thought. A thought. Remember, listen for another adventure of... The Avenger. The Avenger.